0: All right, beautiful people. I want to thank you for joining me here this morning on KPOO San Francisco 89.5. You are tuned in to Prison Focus Radio, and I'm your host, Nubay Brown. I want to remind you that we are still in our fund drive. We are trying to raise $75,000 by the end of this year, and I know we can do it. The community comes together strong for this beautiful station. So, uh, please continue to do so. If you've made a donation, you've made a contribution, thank you, thank you, thank you. We are so grateful. Um, if you can make another, fantastic. Please let your people know that, again, we are in this fun drive. Uh, you can... Uh, send in your donation. Um, you can also go online uh, to kpoo.com and you can um, make your uh, tax deductible uh, donation there very easily. But if you want to send it in, then you want to make your check payable to KPOO and then send it to KPOO, P.O. Box 156650, San Francisco, California 94115. We are going to thank you in advance for loving up on this beautiful, uh, black run, black owned, uh, legacy radio station, KPOO San Francisco 89.5, playing. You know music that we haven't heard for the first time uh, that you don't hear anywhere else. Incredible talk shows. Um, again, you know the the music and the programmers that are here. Uh, there's it's, it's it's just beautiful. It speaks so uh, much about the beauty and diversity of this of this community. So, make those donations. All right, we are going to get into it today. Um, we're gonna I'm going to be probably doing much more reading this time. I uh, went out of town. And so um, I kind of did a little bit of a um, interruption in um, getting, you know, some uh, voices uh, from the inside. But I was actually got a chance to visit a prison and um, uh, Lancaster and talk about the superpower of forgiveness and so we will bring that to the radio station um, over the the next you know few weeks or so but in the meantime I'm going to be reading some incredible work that has been done by um, our brothers and sisters inside um, and uh, you know letters and poetry um, excerpts from some books so uh, stay tuned and I hope you will uh, stay with us. All right. So I have decided that I am going to be reading some, uh, works from the archives of the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper and also Prison Focus, all about the agreement to end hostilities. This is a body of work. This is a, a document that was created, um, you know, back in 2012. So we're talking, yeah, 10, 10 years ago, um, and it's still incredibly relevant. I st- still think it's one of the most important documents that was created in the last 50 years, and um, many of the 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 work that our um, new African revolutionaries, our political prisoners, have been doing on the inside is directly related to this particular document, the agreement to end hostilities, and so. I really want to bring it to light again, especially in light of the fact that as I am pre-recording this show, uh, tonight uh, there is the, um, the Ratcliffe Awards uh, that uh, Minister King of California Prison Focus uh, does every year. At our The co-host is going to be our, um, our new editor-in-chief, William Palmer, and... It's it's all about the theme of liberating our elders, and so you've heard me speak about uh, this the uh, the liber- liberating our elders, liberate the caged voices. Um, this is the spotlight focusing on our uh, again our new African political prisoners who are part of the hunger strikes and those principal thinkers who created the agreement to end hostilities. So uh, we are going to be listening, um, hearing. Um, I'll be reading different articles. I'm going to pepper in a, a couple of other things as well. But um, yeah, so that is that is what we are going to, you are going to be listening to today is, um, is all things agreement to end hostilities as well as the document itself. So I hope you will stay with us. And here we go with the first article, Agreement to End Hostilities Benefits Both the Streets and the Prisons. That was created inside, uh, again, by um, the men who were um, tortured by solitary confinement by this time, like uh, 20 and 30 years. Uh, And this was written in August uh, of 2013 by the NARN Collective, the New African Revolutionary uh, Nationalist Collective think tank, um, out of the Corcoran shoe. All right, a discussion on the agreement to end hostilities as a basis for socioeconomic empowerment and intercommunal independence. Quote, "To overcome the intelligent by folly is contrary to the natural order of things. To overcome the foolish by intelligence is in accordance with this natural order. To overcome the intelligent by intelligence, however, is a matter of opportunity." Zug Liang. Brothers and sisters, on August 12, 2012, the Pelican Bay D short corridor collective issued the Historic Agreement to End Hostilities, the AEH, in all prison and juvenile facilities and called for its extension to our communities. The strategic and material benefits of our ongoing human rights struggle, thousands of prisoners and their families, is obvious. What may be less obvious is the unprecedented opportunity for social progress and community development represented by this AEH, and more precisely, why its popular in the communities from which prisoners hail and all similarly affected communities nationally is so vital. The potential benefit to our interests collectively is as equally vital as the abolition of domestic torture units and mass incarceration as a whole. In fact, it may serve as a new front in the struggle. In a recent 60 Minutes expose, a New Jersey state trooper and former Iraq F. Afghanistan Occupation Force veteran began employing counterinsurgency techniques imported from those Middle Eastern battlefields to, quote, clear and hold, unquote, poverty-stricken communities in New Jersey. As we watched this program, they employed every strategy from quantification of tattoo ID and intercommunal violence data to, quote, winning the hearts and minds, unquote, of residents in order to increase informants amongst the population. The increase in arrests and convictions which followed came as no great surprise. No did the corresponding imprisonment that followed. The lamentable economic condition of the state and this community in particular was noted at the outset of the 60-minute story, but only a passing reference was made to potential economic development opportunities that had any hope of empowering that community and those who lived in it. One of the prevailing factors that prompted this further militarization of law enforcement was the alleged violence between and that surrounding the local drug trade, knowing full well these phenomena are structural aspects of the capitalist arrangement that forces many in those communities to form or join street tribes for social empowerment or enter the underground economy as a survival activity. This new counterinsurgency-inspired approach is just the latest tactic to win public support for yet another streamlining of the school and poor community to prison pipeline and expansion of the prison industrial complex. But the NARN collective think tank, the NCTT, is not simply an analytical body. It is an analytical body whose goal is to provide practical solutions to society's ills. We immediately began to make theoretical connections between these phenomena, the agreement to end hostilities, collective community development programs, and a commitment to total community inclusion. The New Jersey community featured on 60 Minutes could have been any community in Watts, Los Angeles, West Oakland, or Southeast San Diego. We thought, would such repressive and authoritarian state measures be justifiable if an effective agreement to end hostilities was in place? Furthermore, if there were community-owned and operated economic ventures, educational development initiatives, and socio-political empowerment platforms, inclusive of, benef- uh, inclusive of and beneficial to everyone in the community, would there even be a need for the residents to sell dope or ride on one another? In our communities, if our communities were self-sufficient, politically empowered, and markedly less violent. Would that not translate into fewer of our brothers, sisters, and children being exposed to the prospect of imprisonment and our communities being subjected to the militaristic occupation tactics of the state? It is our contention that the potential exists for this and much, much more. The violence and rebellion against private property and bourgeois law, that's in quotes, that accompany the desperation of poverty and social alienation have long been the foundations for justifying the introduction and passage of draconian laws and Gestapo-style enforcement tactics in depressed communities. We can assure you the NYPD is not pushing, quote, stop and frisk on the denizens of the Upper East Side. These self-fulfilling prophecies of underdeveloped Underdevelopment development, have decimated entire generations of young men and women, consigning them to the maw of the PIC, the prison industrial complex. The threat of violence has also been utilized as the chief cornerstone in the state's justification for the maintenance and expansion of security housing units, SHU torture units. It is the very basis of the worst of the worst propaganda that CDC, CDCR continues to spout. The A.H. designed to preserve and expand the solidarity of our prisoner-human rights struggle, has also had the objective effect of further undermining the state's untenable position by taking that argument away from them. If intra-prisoner violence is no longer occurring as a result of the agreement to end hostilities, how then can intra-person, intra-prisoner violence be used as an excuse to confine men to torture units indefinitely as the worst of the worst? It obviously can However, what may not be obvious is that the AEH provides us with a unique opportunity to also take that argument from community bunco law enforcement agencies and remove tenuous justifications they're currently employing to terrorize our communities. It is a crime to be poor in America. From the indentured servitude and in pauper's prisons of the 18th and 19th century to the array of criminalization measures used today, quote, gang injunctions, Prohibiting citizens from congregating with their own friends and neighbors, stop and frisk powers which legalize profiling and mandatory drug testing for recipients of public financial aid, the ugly essence of criminal presupposition, the capitalist state has always sought to criminalize the poor. The AEH can alter the historic dynamic by providing our communities with an environment in which to restructure our socioeconomic reality and common ground upon which to pursue mutually beneficial cooperative efforts, independent of the hostile antagonistic state and its modern predatory capitalism. But how would that look on the ground? To answer that question, the NCTT discussed the validity and practical application of such an undertaking in relation to the realities on the ground using the agreement to end hostilities to bring peace and prosperity to the hood. The final interpretation of that analysis led us to two basic conclusions. First, many of our younger brothers and sisters are so embroiled in these cycles of violence and retribution that if the AEH were embraced en masse beyond the walls, not only would it require a productive program of genuine material benefit to act as an incentive and fill the void previously occupied with negative activities. But secondly, we also need principled and respected soldiers on the ground to mitigate misunderstandings. The remainder of this discussion will thus be a direct outgrowth of these two primary prerequisites. And one of the main reasons I'm uh, sorry, I'm, I'm piping in here why we want our elders home. This is why the focus on liberating our elders is so essential, because these are the men that have been doing this work on the inside for decades while under the duress of, of modern-day uh, slavery and torture by very specific security housing units up in Pelican Bay and in Corcoran Shoe, um, doing this work, continuing to do that work. Who And now they are elders, and they have been in prison since they were youth. So the expertise that they have, the wisdom, the knowledge um, that they have and the love of the the love of the people through their service um, is absolutely necessary um, for the continuation of what it is that they're talking about by putting forth these uh, these these programs and in this uh, uh, these uh, analyses um, to so that, uh, in, into our communities. But we need them. We need those respected, principled, and respected soldiers. And um, that is why we are also, call- so we are calling for um, strategic release. We are calling for restitution now to for the governor to grant pardon, clemency, or parole to, again, our principled, respected soldiers, our new African revolutionary nationalists, or our, just our new African um, political prisoners who are now elders. Okay, back to the story, the article. The NCTT Korshu has previously articulated three pilot programs with the, within the context of comprehensive community development and social transformation. More information on the NCT3... Okay, unfortunately, this is, again, this is an article that was written back in 2013, and um, we are in the process of reclaiming these websites because uh, they have been compromised. All right, Um, but still, this work is continuing forward regardless of websites or not. It is our contention... That these same pilot programs and other initiatives specifically developed for youth social empowerment, such as the Youth Community Action Program, YCAP, initiated within the confines of universally adopted and mutually enforced agreement to end hostilities, can give us the tools to reclaim our own communities from state... From police state occupation, rebuild them into bastions of collective prosperity and shared success while denying the PIC and the capitalist state the opportunity to exploit our young homies, G homies, comrades, and the interclass race contradictions we've had to endure under this corrupt system of divide and rule. Um, And if you are hearing um, Youth Community Action Program, this is one of the programs that came out of the autonomous infrastructure mission that Joka Hashima Jinsai had started again back in The 2003 actually is when the Amend the 13th campaign started. And out of that, um, the dismantling of the exception clause to the 13th Amendment, ending legal slavery, um, came these programs, the Autonomous Infrastructure Mission, and one of those initiatives is the Youth Community Action Program. All right, back to the story. We took the time to explore the viabilities of these ideas by engaging those right here in this torture unit, the Corcoran Shoe from every cultural group on whether this would be something their homies and communities would be interested in. If brothers and sisters didn't have to worry about getting set tripped on or having to ride on cats that rode on their homies, would they be interested in pursuing and working in community-owned businesses and agricultural communes that kept all the funds, fruits, and employment in their community? Mind you, this is also ancestral work, right? Returning to our roots. Prison industrialists, corporations, and politicians are consistently drafting laws to criminalize our daily lives and cultures. Would our brothers and sisters be interested in organizing their families, homies, and homegirls without felony records into voting blocks and lobbying bodies to push legislation that benefited their interests, abolishing the slavery prison provision of the 13th Amendment that precludes those convicted of a felony from voting, creating community-based parole boards so that their loved ones could finally get a date, or abolishing gang injunctions that criminalize associating with friends and neighbors? You've grown up with all your lives. You've grown up with all your life. We held these conversations with young and old alike from every cultural group and affiliation, and the response was universally positive. Some had never even viewed these concepts as a possibility, but by the wisdom of the Pelican Bay D Short Corridor Collective, the AEH has given rise to the possibilities previously unimaginable. Okay, I'm and again here this is the kind of work that was being done inside that the cdcr this sixth system has systematically tried to destroy and silence and that is why um, our um, our elders the ones the soldiers in this work wanting to serve the people empower the communities are being held back and and um claiming the narrative and um, uh, disseminating these lies about who these men really are and the work that they are doing and that is why I want to bring it forward Um, and why I've been in conversation with Joka Hashima Jinsai so maybe you will go back if you haven't been listening to what he has been saying all of this time uh, about what we are up against the work that they are doing and why they focus on this work and why they're still trying to make sure that it gets that it is implemented into the public sphere and why we bring it to you so you can be exposed to it so to see how we can start taking this up and who can be the soldiers out here while um, we are working to, to, to free our elders. Um, okay. It is our contention that a concerted effort by all cultural groups and affiliations to extend the AEH to all communities and society where we have influence coupled with designating specific personally respected and reputable reputable soldiers to ensure the AAH is understood and adhered to by their communities will give us both the social climate and manpower to organize effective closed circuit economic initiatives another one of the initiatives of the aim the sustainable agricultural communes another one and block vote democratic initiatives these are all coming out of the autonomous infrastructure mission In so doing, we would transform the socioeconomic paradigm in our communities, increasing the options and opportunities of our people without having to submit to the expropriation expropriation of our labor and talent by those who built an industry around our inequality and enforced human misery extending the agreement to end hostilities to the streets as a basis upon which to build an independent economy. Our own self-sustaining agriculture and organized political power will ensure our communities and loved ones are no longer a marginalized segment of the population preyed upon to fuel the PIC. Okay, we're going to take just a minute of a break here for a second, so I'm going to do one last uh, pipe in. Again, this is work that has been done over the last 20 years up to this time, we are now we're talking about thirty years or more of uh, these groups of men the these alliances um the educating of each other uh, around uh, this body of work that should have gotten them free except that they had been um, you know validated as as gang members and and put in solitary confinement. Um, simply because of the the political activism the political work that they were doing um, because they um, the system knows that if people are empowered, if they actually get the support of the people to be self determined and to in- and initiate any of these independent programs they don't want them doing it inside first of all because that was empowering people inside and why they were having such a a problem and why uh, cdcr was having such a problem and but why these men were successful in these hunger strikes and ending indefinite solitary confinement in this torture Um, but they knew that also um the system knows that if if this if this work um empowered the community out here they would no longer be able to to uh, decimate our communities and funnel our young people through the system uh, to um, be to to stop the movement for our liberation and our autonomy. Um, now we are here in 2022, and we are still, um, of course, dealing with the the uh, um, the ramifications of. Um, the influx of the, the war on drugs was really the war on the people, the influx of drugs and guns into our community. And so now one of our big issues, of course, is um, the mental health crisis that a traumatized, a generationally traumatized communities, and, community and communities all over the nation um, are dealing with. So again, this body of work is incredibly important as we move it um, into the present and being able to um, they'll use that body of work to build, on, uh, build upon with the new um, uh, issues that we are, are dealing with now, especially as we just come out of a, a, a pandemic. Okay. Um, empower our youth, each one, teach one. There is even more opportunity for us here, brothers and sisters. One of the universal complaints of responsibility Responsibly thinking soldiers from all cultural groups is that our young brothers and sisters are receiving no meaningful development and left to the tender mercies of the U.S. capitalist culture counterculture of predatory greed and reactionary violence the youth are emulating the irrationality inherent in the poor and powerless preying on the poor and powerless as a path to power and prosperity this is not to castigate the quality of our young soldiers but to acknowledge structural setbacks in orientation and development those who follow the each one teach one tradition are to a degree isolated in prisons and shoes or they have been turned they have their They have turned their backs on the community completely for upward class mobility. There is even an unsavory segment who actually take advantage of the situation of uneven development for their own selfish gain. In either regard, all of us can agree that increasing the quality of young men and women being developed in our communities will empower us all, further improve the problem-solving skills of our young brothers and sisters, and improve the quality of life for all our people. To that end, we propose the adoption and implementation of the Youth Community Action Program, YCAP, as a model for both developing and empowering our young sisters and brothers in the hoods, projects, barrios, rural towns, suburbs, and trailer parks where our communities are situated. The YCAP is both an educational and training program and a cooperative economic Nonprofit initiative which targets underclass youth and neighborhoods, employing volunteers from the youth's own community and family to work in concert with YCAP activists in a two-phase development initiative. Okay, now we know how difficult it is to, to for them to be able to um, put together these programs and then actually implement these programs into the system because they always are having to find ways to get around um, the CDCR uh, because they have their own uh, very kind of um degrading uh programs of of education uh that they want these guys to go through but we have we want our own kind of education right so it's been very very difficult but we also know that um the, uh, this is not work that is um they didn't invent this these kinds of concepts they've come from the work that they're standing on before them as well, like the Black Panther Party, right, and um, what they were doing in terms of educating the young people in the communities, right. So they brought that forward, and now, and now we have we uh, Black Liberation Schools are starting to sprout up again, right. So this work that they were doing on the inside, these prisoners, um, is uh, is work that is being uh, drawn upon. Uh, for um, our collective liberation as we're moving forward. Okay, um, phase one involves a five times per week, two and a half hour after school educational and training initiative that focuses on history from the true perspective. And also, this is something we can be using now as well. Think Howard Zinn, Sheikh uh, Antadiop, and De La Vales cultural awareness to retard racial conflicts and strife between oppressed nationalities stemming from stereotypes and misconceptions of Asian, New African, Mexican, Latino, Euro-American, and Middle Eastern cultures, and more, computer and technological literacy, the arts, visual, music, dance, etc., and science and engineering. Three out of every five days a week, the final hour will be devoted to martial arts, self-defense training, and strategic thought to promote self-discipline and critical thinking. All of these things are not being taught in our schools. Participants must comply with participation in phase one to be eligible, eligible for phase two. Phase two involves establishing a, Get Listen to this! Into this um, I haven't read this in quite some time, and it just blows my mind that th- this body of work, th- this is this is work that we can be using and implementing t- now. We know why California Department of Co- uh, Corrections and Small R Rehabilitation and any of these uh, legislators want to keep these guys quiet because empowering our communities is an absolute antithesis of um, how they want how the oppressor wants this system to work, okay, sorry, phase two involves establishing a collectively owned community based venture. each youth participant will own an equal stake and be trained in the area of the venture which best suits them. All will receive equal revenue portions or pay to demonstrate collective work and responsibility and and egalitarian distribution of wealth. These are all anti capitalist um Uh, uh, ancestral communal ways of living. This is um, socialism. Perhaps one of the more enjoyable commonalities shared by the cultural groups engaged in the AEH is a fondness for the custom car cultures. Building on the intercultural commonality, the pilot venture... Venture can be a custom car garage, think Pimp My Ride, where we can seek tax deductible, in-kind donations of equipment and old cars, cash donations and fundraiser venues revenues. Uh, volunteers from this industry will train young such youngsters in exchange for marketing publicity for their own ventures, while we also seek industry related sponsors. The cars will be retrofitted, rebuilt, and pimped out, I don't like that phrase, but anyways it's you know, into custom lowriders, donks and euro. tunes, then put on the lot for sale and website auction. 50% of the profit proceeds from each sale or client fix-up will be split equally among the youth. 20% will go to expand the nonprofit initiative, 20% will go to a college fund for youth participants, and 10% will flow back into expanding the venture. And all these amazing pictures here. This is from um, San Francisco Bayview. In this manner, we provide them with an economic initiative incentive to be indoctrinated into collective practices and progressive activism. Bring the community closer to one another and introduce a new source of revenue into the underclass community where that chapter of YCAP is based. The positive social impact on our communities for our people who live in these communities should be significant, but equally impactful is that All of this progress would originate with the AEH, and the AEH originated from Prisoners in the Shoe, the Pelican Bay D-Short Corridor Collective, to be precise. Can you imagine, wait, can you all imagine the political success for our movement to abolish indefinite shoe confinement, which would grow from such irrefutably positive public opinion? In the face of such success, we would eradicate the myth that we are the worst of the worst, while exposing the intentional underdevelopment and predatory law enforcement practices of a capitalist state which has effectively dehumanized our communities, our families, our very children. All right, if you are just joining us, you are tuned into Prison Focus Radio. I'm your host, Nubay Brown, here at KPOO San Francisco 89.5. You may be live streaming at kpoo.com. I am doing kind of a throwback um Throwback day, maybe a throwback a couple of weeks, where I'm going to be reading articles uh, from the prisoners inside around the agreement to end hostilities because this work, this body of work, has been done by our uh, new African revolutionaries, political prisoners here in California. Um, from the inside, it's work. This is an incredible body of work that we are focusing on of men that have been in since their youth. They are now elders and we are trying to get we are working on getting them free. And part of that is exposing um, the incredible work that they have done to not only to um, empower themselves and each other inside, but the work that they have been doing to serve the people in the communities and why we think that this is exactly why CDC small R and the system continually tries to silence and deny them their freedom. So... Uh, I am reading, Agreement to End Hostilities Benefits Both the Streets and the Prisons, a Discussion on the Agreement to End Hostilities as a Basis for Socioeconomic Empowerment and Intercommunal Independence by the Narn Collective Think Tank out of Corcoran Shoe. This is an article from August of 2013 out of the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper. We're going to take a quick musical break, come back with the rest of the article, and um, hear some other voices as well. I Just Want to Live by Kedron Bryant. All right, we are going to finish up this article, um, the last segment. To the capitalists, we are mere commodities. Central to understanding and responding to our indefinite torture as validated shoe prisoners and to human misery endemic, and to human misery endemic of the underclass communities that the majority of us come from is understanding the nature and structure of us capitalism and our relationship to the productive system and the fact the fact that we are holding this discussion with you from a security housing unit issue where underclass men and women are virtually the entire prison population is the best proof that the relationship between our communities and the ruling class of the productive system is a hostile one mind you this is 2013 this is the 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 year this is the the this is the last during the time of the last hunger strike that brought together 30,000 hunger strikers to end indefinite solitary confinement there were two before mind you these are men that have been tortured by solitary confinement, some of them 30 years at this point. Most of them, 20 to 30 years at this point. And the core group of them were also willing to hunger strike to the death. And one person did die, Billy Cell. We seek to wrest power sufficient to reclaim our humanity and enforce our dignity in the arenas of social life while they in turn are disinclined to relinquish relinquish their authority to dehumanize and exploit us. As long as we are bound by the paradigm of the dominant culture... Functioning within the labyrinth of our own exploitation by a socioeconomic structure which institutionally disfavors both our communities and ourselves, regardless of cultural character, the cycle of torture and misery will continue. What must be understood is that the small social forces which have deemed our communities, quote, high crime areas and shoe prisoners, the worst of the worst, are the same social forces that have reduced the social ties between people to promote self-interest and cause back payment. These same forces have transformed personal worth into mere exchange value and subordinate, and subordinate countless of our hard-won freedoms to their one and only freedom, the freedom of fair trade. We are mere commodities to them, piles of human flesh they can use to expropriate a specific annual amount of the social product via taxes depending on where they warehouse our flesh, general population, shoe, administrative segregation, ad seg, etc. Our exchange value is tabulated by prison industrial labor aristocrats, the California Correctional Peace Officers Association, administrators, and corporate interests to determine exactly how they need to manipulate public opinion and the electorate to maintain their privilege. We have an opportunity with the agreement to end hostilities to fight back. We have an opportunity to forge a new socioeconomic and political paradigm which is structured outside the confines of the dominant culture and definitively serves the interests of our communities our families us the only question is do we collectively possess the political will to carry the aeh to its logical and victorious conclusion this is all theoretical a discussion designed to promote and inspire a glimpse of one possible future and encourage us all to consider it we have a chance to not only change our communities for the better, but to definitely turn public opinion in our favor in the protracted struggle to abolish the domestic torture units SHU prisoners are condemned to endure. Mind you, they hadn't been um, abolished yet. They hadn't won, uh, they, they, they hadn't won yet. <sighs> okay, no matter where this discussion leads, the very foundation of the premise would not exist, it exist if not for the wisdom of the Pelican Bay D short, corridor collective in in enacting the agreement to end hostilities. We all, and society as a whole, owe them our thanks. Think on these things. They are cause for great meditation. All right. Unfortunately, um, I wanted to read something from um, the prisons.org, the California Prison Focus website, but unfortunately there, there are some problems um, getting onto the website. So I am going to read the Agreement to End Hostilities Um, The last article that I read, you can find at um, sfbayview.com, and I am now going to read the Agreement to End Hostilities for those of you that have not yet heard it. Again, this is dated October 12, 2012, and it was implemented in October. To whom it may concern, and all California prisoners, greetings from the entire PBSP Shoe Short Corridor Hunger Strike Representatives, we are hereby presenting this mutual agreement on behalf of all racial groups here in the PBSP Shoe Corridor, wherein we have arrived at a mutual agreement concerning the following points. One, if we really want to bring about substantive, meaningful changes to the CDCR system in a manner beneficial to all solid individuals who have never been broken by cdcr's torture tactics intended to coerce one to become a state informant by debriefing that now is the time for us to collectively seize this moment in time and put an end to more than 20 to 30 years of hostilities between our racial groups number two therefore beginning on october 10th 2012 All hostilities between our racial groups in SHU, ADSEG, general population, and county jails will officially cease. This means that from this date on, all racial group hostilities need to be at an end. And if personal issues arise between individuals, people need to do all they can to exhaust all diplomatic means to settle such disputes. Do not allow personal, individual issues to escalate into racial group issues. Three, We also want to warn those in the general population that IGI, the institutional gang investigators, will continue to plant undercover sensitive needs yard SNY debriefer inmates amongst the solid GP prisoners with orders from IGI to be informers, snitches, rats, and obstructionists in order to attempt to disrupt and undermine our collective group's mutual understanding on issues intended for our mutual causes— forcing CDCR to open up all GP main lines and return to a rehabilitative type system of meaningful programs and privileges, including lifer, conjugal visits, etc. via peaceful protest activity and non-cooperation like hunger strike, no labor. People need to be aware and vigilant to such tactics and refuse to allow such IGI inmate snitches to create chaos and reignite hostilities amongst our racial groups. We can no longer play into the IGI, the ISU, which is the Investigative Service Unit, the OCS, the Office of Correctional Safety, and SSU's, service, uh, the Service Security Unit's, old, mani- old manipulative divide and conquer tactics, exclamation point. In conclusion, we must all hold strong to our mutual agreement from this point on and focus our time, attention, and energy on mutual causes beneficial to us all, like us prisoners, and our best interests. We can no longer allow CDCR to use us against each other for their benefit because the reality is... That collectively, we are an empowered, mighty force that can positively change this entire corrupt system into a system that actually benefits prisoners and thereby the public as a whole. And we simply cannot allow CDCR and the CCPOA, the Prison Guards Union, IGI, ISU, OCS, and SSU to continue to get away with their constant form of progressive oppression and warehousing of tens of thousands of prisoners, including the 14,000 plus prisoners. Held in solitary confinement, torture chambers, shoe, and adsec units for decades. We send our love and respect to all of those of like mind and heart, onward in struggle and solidarity. Presented by the PBSP, the Pelican Bay Short, um, State Prison Security Housing Unit Short Corridor Collective. Setawa Nantambu Jama'a, Todd Ashker, Arturo Castellanos, Antonio Guillen. All of those men are still inside. Danny Troxel. Oh, this is the representative body. Danny Troxell, George Franco, Ronnie Yandel, Paul Redd, rest in power, beautiful brother. He was able to get out. He was with us for about three years, um, and he passed on to the ancestors on June t- Juneteenth of this year. James Baridi Williamson, Alfred Sandoval, Louis Powell, Alex Yergoyan, Gabriel Huerta, Frank Clement. Raymond Chavo Perez, who also has passed on Rest in Power Brother, and James Mario Perez. Note, all the names in the foregoing statement must be shown verbatim when used and posted on any website or other publications. All right, we are going to end with an article from 2018. This is five to six years later after the hunger strikes. The agreement to end hostilities, use it, or lose all we've won. And are we in that place right now? We'll see. This is by Damu Katika Chimarenga, slave name, Hayward L. Mayan. Quote, upon the thirsting for knowledge and wisdom, while attempting to understand our true African roots, once reading and researching, I would often inquire of my curriculums. In dialogue with other students and teachers within the university, I found myself doing likewise. Because of being taught to seek clarity on subjects or matters that seem the contrary to their initial meaning, my true desire has always been for a conscious mind state, more so pertaining to blackness, revolutionary theorem, and being a servant of the people. An esteemed new African, black, elder recognized my struggle and plight in transforming from an old criminal mentality to a new productive and constructive one, and states in a firm, humble voice, it's still the same old war. Unquote sorry, a friend and servant of the people, the life. Um, This is from page 17, I guess, of a book called The Life. Brothers and sisters, power to the people who don't fear struggling endlessly to obtain true freedom, justice, and equality for the black and oppressed masses within these prisons and in society. All too often, I hear or read about problems or issues pertaining to hostilities brought about by the verbal and then physical actions of our oppressors against the people. In turn, the people, those of consciousness, will stand up and speak out or act against the oppressors. In most cases, those of consciousness who do stand up or act against the oppressors, law enforcement agencies, Department of Corruption and the like, are rarely, if ever, the victims. Those of us who are victims or have been victims of our oppressors However, especially in these general population prisons, county jails and in society's ghettos do the contrary. For those of you who may at this time misinterpret what I mean by victim, I'll return to that subject in a moment. My main objective in addressing the people is based on reaffirming or readjusting our stance on the agreement to end hostilities. On August 12th 2012, the AEH was initiated as a positive, productive means towards curbing the ongoing senseless prisoner-on-prisoner, race-on-race violence throughout these general population prisons, county jails, and society's hoods in California. The AEH was initially formulated and put into practice by prisoner human rights movement representatives in the Pelican Bay State Prison Security Housing Unit and various supporters throughout the California Department of Corruption and Repression. Prisoners, men in the shoe, recognize the need to come together in solidarity, setting aside any past or present differences to formulate a humane and positive plan of programming and living for the prisoner class and lumpen. It is also important to express and stress that these same prisoners, who some would say are modern day scholars and intellectuals, were validated and held in shoe indefinitely for years, ranging from 10 to 40 plus and labeled the worst of the worst. Most of these prisoners were validated and locked in shoe on conspiracy charges for the mere exercise of their First Amendment right to freedom of speech under the United States Constitution. These new African, Mexican, and white prisoners came together through peaceful means, formulated and with the assistance of over 30,000 CDCR prisoners, put into practice a nonviolent hunger strike and work stoppage that lasted for 60 days. These prisoners knew no boundaries in suffering, physically and mentally. Their feet were set in stone. They led by example to better the conditions the prisoner class was living in. Before I continue, I would like to take the time to clench and raise a firm right fist overhead to you all. Like you, I've been held back here 15 plus years as well and know your plight in this struggle. A special thanks goes out to those of you who supported the prisoner class endeavors as well. From those prisoners to the supporters in society, I'm expressing this because I feel that you don't hear it enough quote, we the righteous prisoners do appreciate you, your intelligence and courage to stand up and be willing to suffer as you did for us, Unquote. The agreement to end hostilities in 2012 and the last hunger strike in 2013 brought us much clarity as to who was receptive and down when it came time to struggle, or at least attempted to, and who was not. After all, As fellow prisoners or men cut from the same or similar cloth, we all are aware that those of us sitting on these shoe shelves were unjustly processed and held for years on end. This was also done at the expense of the taxpaying citizen in society, all for the financial benefit of our oppressors, CDC small r, and its employees. As we conscious prisoners are aware, that extra 18000 to 20000 per year per prisoner that's paid to keep us housed in these shoe control units goes a long way on a parasitical shopping spree or to fatten a college trust fund for their children while our children starve. The torture of thousands of prisoners who were left on these shoe shelves to rot like old produce meant and still means nothing to those CDC small-R employees who have gotten a taste of the good life on someone else's dime. But those fascists only saw the way it was. Prisoner on prisoner, race on race violence, and more of us constantly entering the doors of solitary confinement, bringing that extra cash flow and overtime. They did not see or expect to see the AEH coming and holding in place for as long as it has. Beginning a peaceful process such as the AEH with one or another group or race that one considers an adversary is a difficult task to fathom, let alone to process and act on for most of us. Yet this was done, and the AEH concept took on a positive, productive shape of its own long after the hunger strike of 2013 ended. Before I continue, I had mentioned being a victim of our oppressors. I want to elaborate on what I mean when saying how our conscious people stand up for those of us who are victims of our oppressors, while the victims do the contrary. By calling out, quote, the victims who do the contrary, unquote, I do not mean the women, child, the woman, Child or defenseless person who is being raped, molested, robbed, abused, mistreated, or taken advantage of. I mean the man or young man, the lumpen, who is strong and intelligent enough to know when and how to fight back, but doesn't. At least not against those who are actually oppressing him or his people. Instead of retaliating against or refuting those who have placed the yoke of constant despair, dejection, dejection and hardship on his neck along with their boot he turns to those carrying that same or similar yoke and does to them what the oppressor did to him the oppressed don't deserve your bellicose foolishness or your violent mood swings what we need is your part partisanship and leadership we need you soldiering alongside us the prisoner class in struggle to accomplish meaningful improvements within our environments All too often, in these prisons and society's hoods, we become very familiar with these, quote, victims who are capable of defending themselves against the powers that be, the oppressors, but choose not to. Again, these prisoners, these men, are turning their fear, frustrations, and anger away from our true adversaries and toward the same prisoners or neighbors in their own environments, abusing and committing crimes against them. In a nutshell, they are doing more harm than good to the people and the community." These individuals who are constantly corrupting our society and these prisoners are oftentimes the ones who are bullies or have sizable incomes and keep the cheat off of themselves by giving others materialistic things, which causes those receivers of rent to turn a blind eye to the undesirables and ignore their stench. It's not always or never about how much such an opportunist has to contribute materialistically. A coward, snitch, or sex offender can't give me nothing. A man, even another prisoner, with a few million dollars cannot buy my friendship or alliance if he's doing something to destroy my people, my community. I'm cool. These types of characters, drug addicts, alcoholics, gamblers, drug pushers, pimps, who have a lack of self-control, are the main individuals infecting our people, our community. They are keeping us, the black and oppressed masses, down. They are the main individuals who are constantly keeping our immediate environments infected with hostile attitudes. Not long ago, a new African elder made a solid and wise statement that will stick with me for years to come. He said... Quote, a sane person who knows that his actions—from gambling, consuming alcohol or drugs, excessive negative conversations, or just being a loudmouth day in and day out without consideration for those sharing the same environment as himself—is one hundred percent worse than a person with mental health issues or illness because he knows right from wrong, or at least he claims to know. Unquote. The brother soldier is on something for real. In our current state of being faced with such incompetence racist and fascist leaders as U.S. President Donald Trump in his White House Oval Office, as well as being constantly oppressed and repressed by the Department of Corruption, now seems like the best time ever to declare to the world that we are determined to live and strive productively as a black nation if we cannot coexist in this state or penal system as other citizens do with freedom, justice, and equality. We must demand to live as such in prison and society. All right, beautiful people, we are going to have to leave it there. I am always so idealistic that I'm going to be able to get through... Many of these articles, but as it is, the body of work is so in-depth that is not possible. So we are going to leave it there. If you want to read the whole article um, on your own, go to sfbayview.com. And it is the agreement to end hostilities. Use it or lose all we've won. Um, Otherwise, get back with me next week because we will read the rest of it there. Don't forget to make your donation to KPOO um, San Francisco 89.5 or online at kpoo.com. All right, get ready for work week with Steve Seltzer. All power to the people.